did see opportunities in this environment because of the rate play to all of a sudden go back and sell some annuities. What we saw though in June was a very sharp rebound in investments and that has continued into July. Hands down, our advisors that are ahead of the curve for us um, on the advisory side have fared much better. Um, and it's been a great time to gather assets. So uh, I do think uh, those advisors who have really embraced planning and saw their advisory book grow actually had situations where clients were coming to them with more money. We paid a lot of attention to what we call meeting in the box, which was really being able to step up our advisors' capabilities to meet with their clients remotely and to make sure that virtual experience was very, very strong. I've had a number of them say, look, I'm, I'm bringing in assets hand over fist now because clients are looking for places to consolidate and I've earned their trust. Confidence and, and mindset are just so critical to being able to be successful in an environment that we've been going through. I'll tell you what, the mortgage business this year has been like beyond record pace. Yeah. So, you know, the, the advisors who have built relationships outside of the traditional to go work with their mortgage loan officer, uh, that's helped them keep afloat during uh, this period of time. Hello, I'm Bob Battelle, one of the co-producers of the BISA Industry Trend Watch podcast series, and I would like to thank you for joining us today. Industry Trend Watch is a monthly series with industry leaders discussing trends in the Financial Institutions Channel as monitored by the Stathis Partners Monthly Benchmarking Study. The data on productivity trends can be accessed on the bankchannelresearch.com data portal, and our job with these podcasts is to bring these trends to life with executives who are leading the charge. This month, we are joined by Mike Mirabali and John Illyrio, who run the investment programs at Huntington Bank and Webster Bank, respectively. In addition to the monthly trends, we will hear them discuss their surprising June revenue surges, factors that are offsetting revenue declines being experienced by others, advisors that are rising to the top during the crisis, and initiatives that are helping them buoy sales. But first, I'd like to ask you to listen to this brief message from Ameriprise, who is the much appreciated sponsor of this podcast series. Then we'll turn it over to Janet Capaletti, who will kick things off with a monthly trending overview. Thank you for joining today. My name is Chris Melton from Ameriprise Financial Institution Group. I'm the National Director of Business Development. We're a proud sponsor of the BISA Industry Trend Watch podcast, hosted by Stasis Mattel. Banks and credit unions look to Ameriprise to complement their existing banking capabilities with a full-service investment program. Let us tell you more. Call us at 1-800-679-1237 or visit us at ameriprise.com slash AFIG, Ameriprise Financial Institution Group. Please note, not federally insured, no financial institution guarantee, may lose value. Securities offered by Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, member FINRA, and SIPC. Thank you. Hi, this is Janet Capaletti, the Managing Director of Research at Stathis Partners. I'm here to provide an overview of June 2020 productivity trends. The second quarter had its challenges, but in June we saw some bright spots. 
while overall productivity was about 10% behind where we were in June 2019, on a monthly basis, transactional revenue penetration, that's the amount of revenue generated per million in retail deposits, that grew more than 20% over the month of May. In June, VA revenue rose over 50% and both fixed annuities and mutual funds grew about 30%. But June being the third month of the quarter, many programs went without a significant 12B1 injection, which knocked recurring revenue down 15% from May. Compared to June the previous year, recurring revenue lost 7%, but transactional business suffered a 20% drop due to slowdowns in all product categories, the lion's share belonging to fixed annuities. Fixed annuity business was unstable in the first half of 2019, but the real declines began in July. Production hit bottom in April, but significant gains have been reported in the month since, with a 25% lift in May and an additional 27% into June. We're looking for that trend to continue, and we've been hearing anecdotally that good things are happening in July. I would like to thank LPL and Infinex for providing us with some of the important program data used in our monthly analysis. And now I'd like to turn it over to our host, Scott Stathis. Hello and welcome to our initial episode of the BISA Industry Trend Watch podcast. I am Scott Stathis and I will be the host of today's episode. This podcast is jointly produced by BISA and Stathis Mattel and graciously sponsored by Ameriprise Financial Institutions Group, whose support is much appreciated. Industry Trend Watch is a monthly podcast series where we will be discussing industry trends with leaders in our channel. These monthly discussions will use Stathis Partners' bankchannelresearch.com monthly industry benchmarking data as a basis for our productivity trend discussions. And um, we are joined today by two industry leaders and BISA board members that most of you will be familiar with, and I will let each of them introduce themselves now. So, Mike, let's start with you. Sounds great, Scott. Good afternoon, everyone. Mike Mirabali, I'm with Huntington Financial Advisors, which is the broker-dealer uh, affiliate of Huntington Bank. I'll tell you a little bit about our, our organization. Uh, we operate uh, retail branches across seven states in the Midwest and Mid-Atlantic. Um, we are uh, predominantly in, in Ohio and Michigan. We have 205 advisors that cover our uh, 830 branches um, across that seven state footprint. The business has about $17 billion in assets under administration and management. And of that 17 billion, approximately 3 billion um, so we've, uh, you know, we've got a program that has uh, grown its advisory business quite a bit over the last uh, two, three years um, and uh, very much, uh, you know, ingrained within the retail bank channel uh, within uh, Huntington. All right. Thank you, Mike. And, and you, you cut out for a second. You said the amount of that AUM that is in advisory, I think, and we didn't hear that part of it. Oh, I'm sorry. It's $3 billion. $3 billion. Okay. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Mike. John. John Illyrio, Director of Webster Investments at Webster Bank. I've uh, been there for 23 years. Uh, Webster Bank is in a four-state footprint. We're headquartered in Connecticut, um, and we're in Connecticut, Mass, Rhode Island, and in Westchester, New York. In total, about 160 banking centers in our footprint, um, and currently we have 54 financial consultants 
um, fully staffed, we'd be at 57. Uh, revenue of approximately 26 million per year um, and total AUA of about 3.6 billion. All right. Thanks, John. So, so let me, um, let me throw out a question to you guys. Um, we're obviously in a unique time right now, right? We're in the middle of oh, yeah. the uh, COVID pandemic, which has not made um, our business any easier. <laughs> um, so, you know, we've had some unique challenges. And as we look at the June revenue penetration numbers and advisor productivity numbers, um, they've continued the month to month slide we've seen almost every month of, of this year so far. And the only exception has been April. Um, there was a slight increase in April, but we collected quarterly fees in April. So that is the reason for the increase, right? Um, so how does, so that's the industry trending that we're seeing, right? So how does this trending line up with what you've uh, experienced at your, at your programs? Mike, you want to, you want to kick us off? Sure, Scott. So, yeah, I mean, certainly um, we had a very strong first quarter uh, and, and uh, as things started to kind of unfold with COVID-19 and we started uh, shutting down branches uh, or branch lobbies, I should say, uh, about uh, third week of March, um, that started to have a, a bit of an impact uh, to the business, but it was really, that impact was really felt in April. Now, now we actually bill monthly in advance on our uh, advisory fees, so we don't necessarily see that lumpiness every, uh, you know, at the beginning of uh, each quarter. Um, but we did certainly see an impact uh, in April and May, particularly with the focus on PPP um, and just the disruption that the branches were going through with you know, having shutdowns because somebody had a contact with someone with COVID, right? So they would have to shut down the branch. They were working A and B teams within those branches. So there's a lot of disruption to branch activities um, in the months of April and May. Um, what we saw though in June was a very sharp um, rebound in investments. Um, we, uh, as the branches started opening toward the end of May, beginning of June, uh, referral flow and and there was a fo you know that focus on the business banking side with PPP um, kind of abated uh, as that program concluded. Uh, we really started to see the investment um, referral activity kick in pretty significantly, and started seeing the pipelines build. So our our uh, our June was actually in terms of sales volume was up about 22 percent over May. Um, so strong rebound. Um, and that has continued into July, um, continue to see steady uh, referral flow as, uh, and you know, we haven't seen the disruption within the branches uh, that we saw in the early months, uh, even with this resurgence that we're starting to see in some, within some of our footprint. Yeah, well, nice, and congratulations, good, uh, good for you. How does, um, how does June this year look when you compare it to June last year? Well, June this year was up actually uh, double digits versus last year. So uh, a good solid uh, increase year over year in, in sales. Nice. Yeah, good work. John, what, what are you seeing? Um, similar. We had a very strong first quarter. It was our second best quarter ever and almost our best quarter ever. So we were just sailing along and even March, you know, which obviously was impacted by COVID was still very strong for us. Um, I'll separate our revenue. We always look at it in terms of our new business revenue, as we call it, and then our recurring revenue, which is our trailers and our advisory fees. 
Um, so I, I always look at that a quarter as a whole on the advisory fees, the recurring revenue. And that was down second quarter compared to first quarter, uh, 17%. So, you know, we had that and that was pretty much baked in from uh, basically how our AUA closed at the end of uh, March. Um, so that was what we knew we were going to get basically. And we couldn't control that until we saw how the market closed in June is basically how our, uh, we recognize our revenue. So it all came down to our new business revenue. And again, um, March was down compared to January and February, which were both very strong for us. Um, it was down, I would say, about 20%. Um, but then we dropped again considerably, another 40% or so um, in April. So it was, you know, that, that was the bottom for us, uh, even though it was a strong recurring revenue month for us in April, as you alluded to in the beginning. Um, it, it truly was was our lowest point and one of the worst months we've ever had for new business revenue. Um, but we had a very sharp rebound right away in May and we had 45% more revenue in May than we did in April. And then once again, we had 45% more revenue in June um, compared to May and uh, we're having a great July. Um, and, and so much of it is that little by little, um, I, I think our financial consultants became stronger and stronger and working in that remote mode. And that was very important. Um, and banking center referrals started to pick up. But I will say still in June, um, our banking centers were, were pretty much impacted strongly relative to face-to-face -face customer interactions. So referrals were still at an extremely low level for us in June, have just started picking up in July. Yeah, I mean, referrals is an interesting subject, right? Because the advisors, a lot of them aren't in the branches, I assume, right? So getting, they're, they're getting referrals in different ways. So let's push that aside for a second. We might, we might have time to talk about that later. But uh, John, you touched on reoccurring revenue versus transactional revenue. And as we, um, you know, as we look at the data that we get every month from, from the industry, we see much less of a productivity drop in reoccurring revenue. Uh, when we compare it to transactional revenue. Um, so yeah. if, if you look at that, right, then you can kind of translate that to looking at the cross-section of your advisor. So the question I have for you is, as you look at your advisors, do you see significant differences in the business uh, that your advisors who are very, let's say, planning-centric and advisory-centric, how they're experiencing this crisis versus those that are, that are more transactional. Now I asked that question knowing that both of you guys to significant degrees are, are really pushing more advisory business and, and have a pretty good amount of advisory business in the mix. So my assumption is you, you still have some that are more transactional in the mix. Yeah. I'm just curious to get your reaction. And John, since you brought it up, maybe you can answer first and then sure. Mike you second. Your, your reaction as you look across the spectrum of advisors are, are the, <laughs> Are the advisors that have more advisory business and are more planning centric smiling a lot more broadly than the rest of the group? <laughs> Most definitely. Uh, hands down, our advisors that are ahead of the curve for us um, on the advisory side have fared much better through COVID. Um, those that uh, were behind the curve have struggled more. Um, but we're, we're seeing that several of those have started to finally wake up. And smell the coffee and, and make at least those introductory moves that they need to make. But, but you know, obviously it's a process to go through, but it's good that some that were very slow on that process, I think are making some faster gains and that's good news. And I think those that were already believers are, are believing, you know, more than ever 
Um, and it's been a great time to gather assets. If you're in that planning mode, if you're in that you know, advisory-centric mode, um, you've been in contact with your clients, you were proactive, they had a plan, you were able to review their plan, and you were able to grab some other assets from them, uh, from competitors who were not as uh, much uh, at the steering wheel and putting the pedal to the metal as you were. Yeah, yeah. that's, uh, that's I, I assume, was, that will give you a good opportunity to continue the coaching for the advisors that are that have not gotten with the program to say, see, <laughs> right? Yes. Um, so Mike, how about you? What, what are you seeing? Yes, very similar story at Huntington. Um, we've, those, uh, what we've seen is, you know, advisors who leverage uh, planning more in their client delivery um, tend to do more advisory. So that they've had those conversations rooted in financial planning with those clients. Whereas our more transactional advisors, and we still have them, um, they, they, you know, have less of that planning activity related to those transactions. So, um, and I've had numerous times advisors come back to me and say, you know, I'm so thankful that, you know, we really uh, focused on planning for the last couple of years because that's paid dividends now. Um, and being able to bring the client back to the plan and, you know, not focus on what's, you know, the emotion of what's happening, you know, today in the markets, as we saw thousand and two thousand point moves um, day, day after day. So uh, I, I do think uh, those advisors who have really embraced planning and saw their advisory book grow actually had situations where um, clients were coming to them with more money. Um, because when they saw the drop, they looked at it as an opportunity. Um, we gave the, also gave the advisors tools, whether they were transactional or, or advisory, gave them tools, gave them uh, content to be able to, to push out to their clients to help keep them informed. Um, and, it, it, you know, it was uh, really, you know, just the contact itself. The fact that an advisor proactively reached out to their client, if, even if it, that initial one is just to say, hey, are, ask, are you okay? Um, that, pay, that, that went a long ways in terms of maintaining confidence um, and uh, keeping the clients engaged through uh, what was a pretty choppy period of time. Yeah. Well, I, I would imagine, especially while we were going through that very volatile period that you mentioned, um, that the client's satisfaction, right? So let's get where, to, where the rubber meets the road is the clients, right? Because they're the ones that are going to make or break your business. Uh, the client satisfaction among the advisors who, who are planning centric had to be higher. And the client's response to the vo volatile period um, had to be, I'm guessing, much less anxious than those that didn't have a plan, right? Because it's, it's pretty easy for an advisor to talk to a client if you have a plan and say, listen, our plan is in place and you know, we stay the course and it's gonna work, right? There, there, there's so much great discussion you can have around that to keep that client calm and uh, have the client realize that the advisor has their back. And that goes a long way for the reputation of the institution, for client satisfaction and, and all that other stuff, right? So, um, you know, it's, it, it's good to hear that. Well, it's beneficial for both the advisor and the client and then bigger picture the institution, right? I, John, I assume you're, you, you agree, right? Most definitely. Yeah. So, um, so have you, John, you mentioned referrals. So referrals or otherwise, have there been any initiatives 
that you guys have implemented during the crisis that have seemed to make a difference or push the ball forward or, or, or get advisors off the fence and get them to be more planning or advisory centric, anything like that, any aha moments? Or even with working remotely, right? I mean, ha- having them uh, do a better job conducting remote meetings, et cetera. We've tried to attack it on all fronts. Again, we knew where we were in April. We knew we were in a place that we couldn't sustain. We knew we needed dramatic improvement. We got that in May. We got that in June. It continues in July. Um, we paid a lot of attention to what we call meeting in a box, which was really being able to step up our advisors' capabilities to meet with their clients remotely, to communicate with their clients um, digitally, and, and to make sure that virtual experience was very, very strong. Um, we did training on it. We had some coaching sessions on it that were both in small groups and larger groups and, and really saw adoption um, get to a, a much higher point quickly. And, and I know that's a big part of our increases. Um, we also did quite a bit in social media, and we also did quite a bit with um, email, uh, digital marketing. Um, went through a big push of, of really every single person you're speaking to so many individuals right now, you've got clients you're being proactive, you're outreaching to. You need to let them know that the best way to communicate back and forth during this crisis is email. So get it from them. And we hit them over the heads with that hard, but but we dramatically increased the number of our clients that we had an email for. Um, And then we've been using a tool from LPL that's called um, the automatic campaign tool. Um, And we're sending out to those individuals that have an email um, material two week, two times a week, every other week um, with updates on where we see, you know, COVID, where we see the economy tips on, you know, what you can do. So, um, and, and they're very tailored. They, they look like they're going individually to that client. Clients have loved them. Um, there's some stuff that's just imagery to make them feel good and have a good day today. We've really mixed it up. Um, and uh, again, that has been extremely well received where we know we're getting sales where clients are just, you know, saying, I, you, you, I, I can't believe how much you've taken the time to reach out to me individually uh, with all of this, um, it, it really is special and others aren't doing that for me. So that was a big, big boost for us, I believe, in having that type of uh, that, that type of technology that we, um, before COVID, we had three um, of our FCs signed up for the automated campaign tool. Um, by the end of April, we signed up all 47, had them all active, which was wow. a big undertaking, but we knew we had to do it and it worked. Um, so those were two big things. And right now we're in the middle of two big direct mail campaigns. So we, we know the new way is to do it with the digital marketing. Um, but we also know direct mail still continues to be extremely strong for us. Um, and, and we're in the process of two of the biggest direct mail campaigns that we've done um, yet in my 23 years there. And we're seeing some dividends from that automatically right now as well. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. It's like, like any relationship, too much communication is much better than too little communication. Right. And that's what you're executing. Yeah. Good for you. Uh, Mike, how about you? Yeah. Similarly, um, we've, uh, we've um, certainly uh, had a regular cadence of sending content out um, uh, from our chief investment office in the private bank. Um, we have, uh, you know, this, we're active with social media, at least from an enterprise perspective, not as much with the individual advisors um, and the regular cadence of sending uh, blast emails out. We call it the three things we learned. So whenever we see 
um, a uh, market, a, a move in the Dow 400 points one way or the other, we send out this three things we learned summary to just really highlight, hey, what's going on? What was behind the activity? And um, really help uh, help put it some con you know context around the uh, the market move, and then every week we have a video from our chief investment officer John Augustine called the three things we learn, and he really recaps the entire week and what to look out for the following following week. Um, that gets shared among our advisors who send that out to their clients, um, and that's really been very well received by our, our, our clients and the advisors absolutely love it because it really, he breaks things down in a very simple way um, and keeps everything very logical, you know, what's going on with COVID, how's that impacting the markets, and then talking about the capital markets and various um, economic, uh, you know, uh, information that's come out that um, that's impacting the markets. We've also tried to keep it fun to some degree with the advisors, knowing this is so different for them to work in this mode. You know, we provided them uh, access now. You know, obviously with Skype, and you know, and we're moving to Teams very shortly um, to facilitate uh, client meetings. Um, but we put a contact, a client contact challenge out to say, hey. We're going to um, have a challenge by region, you know, to see how many contacts our advisors can make uh, during that period of time. The numbers were off the charts. They logged them into Salesforce so we could track it. Uh, and we thought just making it a little, you know, get the competitive juices going a little bit uh, would be uh, would be helpful. Just uh, again, I think they're, you know, they it can be pretty isolating, right, to work uh, in this way, work from home mode. Um, so this really helps uh, help get the advisors a little bit more engaged. We did the same thing with our retail partners to help drive more referral activity uh, with a joint appointment challenge. And we reward we have a point reward system that we use um, to get for our licensed bankers to schedule you know to schedule joint appointments with their advisors. They have a top top list, uh, top 20 list of uh, relationships by uh, within their book, uh, the, the, uh, the um, banker's book uh, that they call on. So those kind of things I think have really helped um, uh, just create a little bit more uh, fun and excitement around uh, what we all need to do, which is client outreach. Yeah, it, it's always amazing to me what happens when you appeal to the competitive nature of yeah. salespeople, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're like little kids. <laughs> but uh, it's fun and you got to do that, right? I mean, I, the, the, the best initiatives I've seen are the ones that put some type of a contest behind it and make it make it fun, right? And, you know, yeah. I've even seen issues where you create t-shirts, you know, with the logo of the initiative or whatever, but they work, you know, and it's, and mm -hmm. it, like, like you said, Mike, it makes it fun for everybody. And, and it, yeah. it, and it really does seem to be a difference maker. So well, uh, that's good. So Mike, you, you, you mentioned your licensed bankers and what's interesting to us as we've been looking at the, at the data during this crisis is that the, the licensed banker productivity overall has seemed less affected and this was surprising to me, but it has seemed less affected than financial advisor productivity. And you know, they, they at least industry-wide, um, banks that have platform programs saw their platform program uh, recover significantly in June from April, April and May. But overall, they weren't, they weren't as volatile, right, the productivity. Um, so I, do you see the same things in, in your uh, programs, uh, Mike, since you brought up licensed bankers let me ask you first and then john you could you can contribute 
Yeah, so uh, so our licensed bankers are referral only. So uh, the productivity measure is around referral, uh, closed referral uh, activity, uh, our results. Um, and, you know, we have seen a nice rebound and, and that's certainly driven our business. Um, and, uh, you know, the it's really, really focused on, um, you know, trying to re-engage uh, with the advisors after having been, um, you know, kind of pulled into all hands on deck for PPP. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I have seen an, a, a significant improvement in referral flow from our licensed bankers. And most of our referrals from the branch go through our licensed bankers. So um, that, that was the rebound was fairly significant um, across the board in June. Um, so I, I'm, I'm not surprised just, you know, speaking in terms of those programs that have, um, that have, uh, uh, licensed bankers that still sell. I'm not surprised to see that rebound because we saw a significant increase in fixed annuity sales, uh, in the month of, uh, June. Yeah. I think it was primarily because the banks, uh, were really, uh, reducing, uh, rates on, on their, um, on their depository products. So the relatively speaking fixed annuities, you know, in kind of that three year range looked uh, uh, fairly attractive. And so I think that may have driven some of that, you know, that increase in productivity, um, you know, in May and June. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's John, let me, let me let you answer that question. I don't recall, John, if you, if you have, licensed bankers that sell or not you do right yeah ours is referral only but we have a very okay. small program scott so I, I would say we really haven't seen that much of an impact you know positive or negative on, on our lbes um, through this but but we have a very small program yeah now it's interesting because i know a lot of the people that will be listening to this podcast probably don't have licensed banker programs and we you know we see industry trends and it's like a pendulum right uh, yes. everybody gets on licensed banker programs and then they <laughs> <laughs> and then not, and then on again and off again. But the one thing that's been uh, particularly interesting, and I know you guys don't have selling licensed bankers, but just for the, uh, the purpose of those that are listening to us, is that um, we've seen a uh, meaningful increase in trail revenue being reported by platform bankers over, uh, over the course of this year. Um, and, the, and, and the trail revenue has really been booing platform banker productivity. So that's kind of interesting because we hadn't seen that before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so let's, uh, I have two more questions for you. One is product oriented and, and, the, and then the, the next one is big picture oriented. And, and Mike, you mentioned uh, annuities. So when we look at the industry wide trends, um, especially in June, we see VA revenue uh, that rose significantly over, over 50%. Um, and um, fixed annuity revenue grew 30% from May, from May to June. So it, you know, so there's, so some of that transactional business did recover. Um, so I'm just wondering what you guys make of that. Um, and I think Mike, you answered the question partially because of the interest rate reduction in bank products. Any other thoughts in that regard? And Mike, uh, maybe you can give us your thoughts and then John. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I, I'd say, you know, really the same thing I said before it's, it's, uh, I think it's a rate play more than anything else. Um, you know, I, the managed money sales has been, it really has been very steady throughout. 
Um, you know, the, it w obviously April was focused on retention activities, March and April. Um, but, you know, we've seen very steady production uh, on the managed money sales, not to the degree we had in the first quarter. I mean, we were north of 40% sales mix in uh, managed in the first quarter, but in the second quarter, we're closer to like 31, 32%. Um, and, and where we've, you know, the pickup uh, and, and where we've seen has been primarily fixed and fixed indexed annuities. We haven't seen as much on the VA side, well, a little bit, but not as much on the VA side, but certainly uh, the fixed and fixed indexed, uh, we've, we've seen some, definitely some action there. Okay. Yeah, John? Uh, we, we definitely, I think, mirror those results you have, Scott. Uh, we definitely have seen the increase on the fixed annuity side, fixed index, but we also um, saw a good lift uh, in both May and June on the variable annuity side. Um, I think the fixed is most definitely a great play, as Mike said, but we're seeing that. And, um, you know, we, we are, we've been looking at our own customer base and, you know, where we have access to, you know, if they've got CDs maturing, et cetera, because referrals were low, we generated a lot of that activity on our own. Um, it's now coming to us in referrals in July, but we didn't have a, you know, very much referral activity um, for that fixed annuity lift in either May or June, but we generated it ourselves if we needed to. Um, on the annuity side, um, we have been doing a lot on um, a lot of those emails that I alluded to and the campaigns that we've done and this direct mail that we're doing um, are all around a theme of what's your new retirement reality. So we are having discussions with individuals about what they need to do um, to, you know, perhaps recenter or recalibrate their retirement plan as a result of what's happened. Um, and I think that's helped us on the variable annuity front. Um, and then obviously we've seen an uptick uh, compared to first quarter and compared to last year, our annuity, variable annuity sales are up. Um, the one interesting there, thing, Scott, there is um, our top performers on the uh, recurring side um, who really had gotten to a very low level of VA business and fixed annuity business, um, they did see opportunities um, in this environment because of the rate play to all of a sudden go back and sell some annuities, both on the fixed, fixed indexed and the variable in all three. So I think that was a big um, reason why we had a real nice size lift in June and in May and in July uh, as we close this out, um, of transactional business from our top um, advisory uh, financial consultants. And I think that's just a short-term type of play for them where it fits um, because they're, they're doing both, um, yeah. which is nice. Mm -hmm. and, and right now we're happy they're doing both. Yeah, well, and they, they should be, right? There are some clients that yeah. don't belong in advisory, right? Um, Correct. Well, I, so it's, it's interesting. Um, the you bring up your top advisor. So, so my last question I said is going to be a big picture question, and it has to do with your your top advisor. So, um, as you look across the spectrum of your advisors, right? You look at you have a top ten percent or fifteen percent or whatever it is. Um, they seem to be much less affected by this crisis than others, right? So, and I'm saying that across the board based on other discussions that I've had, and and, and you know just what's going on in the industry. Um, and it seems like those tops, top advisors um, are less affected for a lot of reasons. But generally speaking, they have um, a, 
I'll put it this way, a different culture about them. They have a different attitude about what's going on. They're much more adaptable, right? They have a can-do type attitude. So, so, so my last question is exactly that. So as you look across the spectrum of your advisors, what really stands out to you when you look at those that are just like powering through this with their fists pumping in the air saying, you know, I got this. It's just an, it's another challenge, but I'm making it through. Are there any like, you know, any, any observations that, uh, that, that are particularly interesting, you guys? Mike, you want to sure. chip I, in? Sure. I'll, I'll start, uh, Scott. Um, you know, I, I think number one, it, this is a relation, it's a relationship business, right? So I really think that, you know, relationships are built over a matter of years, not over a matter of weeks, right? So I think these advisors have um, laid the groundwork for being able to help their clients navigate through such a difficult time, many, many months and years well ahead of this. And it, it puts them in a position of confidence because they know their clients are confident in them. They know that they've been kind of through this before, um, you know, and, and they're able to speak with confidence with their clients and that breeds confidence back. And, and so they know they can conduct business even in the worst of times. And in fact, I've had a number of them say, look, I'm, I'm bringing in assets hand over fist now because um, clients are, you know, they're, they're looking, you know, for places to consolidate um, and I've earned their trust. And, and so I think that really does speak to number one, building relationships over a long time, having longevity matters a lot in this industry. And that really instills confidence uh, in, in with, with clients. Um, those advisors that are, are newer, they're de more dependent on referral flow. And when the referrals dry up because of things that are out of their control, um, you know, they kind of feel a little bit like they're, you know, they're uh, swimming, swimming uh, against the tide. So uh, I think that, you know, there's this definitely, I'd say 75% of it is practice management. It's um, having, you know, longevity. Um, and then 25% is, um, to me, the fortune of being, having, being, or being fortunate enough to be there and to have uh, been, uh, you know, been able to um, weather the storms over time and be familiar with clients. So, um, you know, I think they need, uh, the newer advisors need to take a, a hint from that and think about how you build relationships over a long period of time, because that's, ultimately how you're going to be successful as an advisor. Yeah. Do you, do you, just curious, do you see any outliers in the, um, uh, from the perspective of tenure, right? Any outliers where you have, whether it be younger advisor or, or advisors newer to the business that are actually doing well um, and, and, you know, kind of bucking the odds or is it pretty much across the board, your tenured advisors that are riding the storm better you know there no there are there are a couple newer advisors who um have really um shown themselves uh well during this period of time um and and i'd say the thing that they've done is stay in contact without being intrusive stay in contact with their partners um and you know look for ways to actually help them um, you know, whether it's, you know, whether they're even if, you know, it's PPP or if it's mortgage, look right. for ways. Cause I'll tell you what, the mortgage business this year has been 
record, like beyond record pace yeah. at Huntington. Um, and 50% of the business that they bring in, I'm sorry, more than 50% comes from outside. They're non-bank customers. So, you know, the, the advisors who have built relationships outside of the traditional, which is, okay, I need my licensed banker to drive referrals for me, to go work with their mortgage loan officer and, you know, kind of share information, share our opportunities. Uh, that's helped them keep, you know, keep afloat during uh, this, uh, this uh, period of time. Yeah. Oh, nice. And, and uh, it's always good to see those outliers, right? Because again, they're, they become poster children, <laughs> right? For other right. advisors that are, that are struggling. J John, how about, how about you? What have you seen? Most definitely confidence and, and mindset are just so critical to being able to be successful in an environment that we've been going through. Um, and it's being there. It's putting the time in. Um, and those financial consultants that, that just took control of the situation um, and were able to outreach to their clients, were able to look at the new tools that we put in front of them, assess them, and execute, um, have just been doing extremely well. Um, and luckily, something like that is contagious because confidence is contagious. And as, and as we've really tried to have a lot of small group meetings and have our sales management team really bring together our team as much as possible in a virtual mode, um, we have tried to take advantage of those that get it and have them share it um, so that it passes on. Um, and, and that's worked. Um, most definitely, we've had great success with some of our veterans really stepping up and showing why they are our successful cream at the top. Um, but we also did have some tremendous surprises of new people who just uh, just all of a sudden skyrocketed. Um, and that's always great to see. Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that it's not just all about confidence and it's not just all about mindset. We did have several financial consultants that were in very difficult positions during this COVID. Um, and we had to work with them and we had to be patient with them and we had to give them the support um, which was not just support about doing more business, but support to be able to get through whatever challenge they had in front of them. And that was critically important um, because there are some people that just had some situations that uh, the most important thing right now wasn't the business that they did. It was taking care of their families and taking care of what needs to be done. Yeah, yeah, no, no doubt. And, and good for you for that compassion. Mike, you had thought too? Yeah, and that's, that's a great comment, John. I, you know, the other thing that, you know, that I, I think was really important early on was to kind of allay concerns around some type of transition pays so that they wouldn't feel like their income would drop off the, off the cliff, right? So kind of trying to get that out of the way so they can focus on the job at hand, which is taking care of customers and continuing to move your business forward. So I think it's, it was really important. I know several programs did this where they came up with some type of, um, you know, some type of transitional plan during the, during, uh, the worst, worst times. And some of them are probably still continuing uh, to ensure that advisors have, could continue to generate um, some income right during this period of time and not uh, feel like they're going to be, you know, well behind the eight ball when coming out of this. Yeah. No, that's great. All right. Well, I think we've run out of time and uh, this was a good discussion and, and your contributions are much appreciated. So uh, Mike and John, thank you both for being brave enough to volunteer to be part of the 
first ever BISA uh, Industry Trend Watch podcast. We hope that you will join us for another one in the future. And I want to thank Ameriprise again for making this episode possible. And uh, join us next month for, uh, for the BISA Industry Trend Watch. Thanks again, you guys. Bye. Thanks, thank you. Glad to do it. Hi, Bob Mattel again. I hope you enjoyed this month's Industry Trend Watch discussions, and we would like to thank Mike Mirabali and John Illyrio for being gracious enough to join us. I encourage you to subscribe to this podcast and join us for future monthly episodes. Also, be sure to check out our two other podcast series, Industry Leadership and Success, focused on industry-leading performance and success stories, and also Untangling FinTech, aimed at increasing your familiarization with the financial services technology stack and helping you keep up with the evolution of technology offerings in our industry. Thanks again to Meriprise for making this podcast possible. See you next month.